0: The Four Horsemen. What you have
1: here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and
0: Excited color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. <laughs> These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black,
2: Benjamin Kerfman, and... Derek <laughs> McCarson. The Four. Welcome to another episode of The Four Horsemen. I am your host, Ben Kerfman. I am joined here by the Reverend Adam Black, the Right Reverend Derek McCarson, and Archbishop Thurman. We also have a secret guest in the studio, the Reverend Apostle Christopher Eastat.
0: Now wait a minute. You said four. I'm not very good at math.
2: Well, he's (laughs) the secret one. He doesn't count. Oh, okay. The secret one doesn't count. He doesn't have a microphone, so he doesn't have a say, just like um, other people that we'll be addressing as we talk about critical race theory <laughs> so our, our uh, topic for tonight, I thought is, we were talking about
0: intersectionality
2: we are it's both oh it's both okay one one comes from the other, so that's part of what we're going to talk about so
0: which came first, the chicken or the egg
2: um chicken. I don't. Derek's the philosopher. He he needs to do that one. I don't know.
3: I guess we'd have to go back to Genesis and the chicken. Uh, oh, there you yeah, go. There, back there, to the Bible. There
2: you go. Oh well. Probably
3: the chicken. I'd say. Amen.
0: You want to explain what we're talking about?
2: Yes. So, uh, if you are not familiar, um, the Southern Baptist Convention met for their uh, normal few hours that they exist every year uh, this last week. And uh, part of what they do during that meeting is they have what we call resolutions, which are basically uh, general statements of uh, widely held beliefs or positions on things that the uh, convention of churches agree upon. And so these resolutions can be presented by uh, any messenger of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, whether that's a pastor or a church member. Um, Anyone who is a a messenger can present these things on different issues. And so every year, the Southern Baptist Convention usually addresses uh, uh, kind of crucial issues or um, things that are prevailing in the culture. And so this year, there were several things uh, that were passed which were not surprising. For instance, uh, things in favor of life, uh, the, the sanctity of life, the right to life. Um, things in favor of uh, a biblical view of marriage and sexuality, those kind of things uh, typically pass. But we want to really focus on what is, what is called Resolution 9, which is, which was a resolution on critical race theory and intersectionality. And so uh, probably 90% of the people listening to this podcast have no idea what that is, just like all of the people in the room that voted on it. Um. <laughs> Because Sounds like uh, national politics. Because, yeah, unless, unless you've kind of been on the cutting edge of identity politics and worldview and things like that, you've probably never even heard these terms or you've never really heard them in a context that makes sense. And so it was kind of unusual to begin with that this resolution would come uh, to the SBC, considering that most people um, in the room probably were not even familiar with these with these terms. So... Um, let's go around the table here first before we talk about it. So, how many of the guys at the table feel like they can give a definition of critical race theory? Does anybody want to take a crack at it? I can give one.
0: Okay, but it it's my definition.
2: Well, <laughs> so, truth is relative. Yeah, why don't you just share matter. your truth? well yeah, us, share your what's truth. your truth?
0: Critical race theory really, I think, goes to how. Race has affected uh, the various strata of society, uh, how white people have come into positions of power and privilege, of domination. And, uh, you know, as as that has progressed, uh, it has permeated all the institutions uh, so that if you're going to be able to, to get this thing of racism pulled up by the roots you're going to have to go into the church the business community in fact all of the economy i would i would suggest that capitalism would be viewed as as a racially uh, dominated uh, philosophy of economics and so uh, that's that's kind of how i see uh, that
2: yeah, so, so from the research that I've done, basically the, the philosophy is this idea that um, there is kind of an, an institutionalized white supremacy in basically all of our modern institutions, whether that be the legal system or the church or academics or the economy, that there's essentially uh, a, an, an oppressive white supremacist kind of baseline underneath all of that, And that critical race theory helps kind of dig that up of where are the things under these institutions and these various things in society that are uh, influenced by or are propagating uh, white supremacy in the culture. And so that being said, um, this resolution, and we're going to link to it in the show notes so you can read the whole thing because it's probably a lot easier to read for yourself than for us to just read it out here. But essentially what it is saying is that critical race theory is a analytical tool that is used to evaluate these various kinds of systems and things in society. And so the resolution is essentially saying that, um, while it's recognized by Southern Baptists, that these tools are not derived from scripture, that they don't emerge from a biblical worldview. They really actually come out of a Marxist worldview, um, where, you know, Marxism is essentially, uh, trying to encourage people to rebel against an oppressive system in order to have equality of outcome. And so uh, in that sense, uh, they arise from a Marxist worldview, but the resolution is essentially saying that we can still use critical race theory and intersectionality as analytical tools, even though we may not affirm the worldview that they come from. Now, a couple of the issues with this are, for one, this was highly debated on the floor, probably more than anything else at the SBC, um, Tom Askell from Founders Ministries uh, proposed an amendment to it that included um, the language that uh, these systems emerge from godless worldviews and that we recognize that. And um, not only that, but the man who originally proposed the resolution placed it online, and it was pretty apparent from his original version that it had been severely altered by the committee so much so that it, it almost seemed to say the opposite of what the man was originally trying to do, which is very concerning um, as far as the direction of the SBC and, and what the motivation is. So critical race theory essentially is trying to identify where is this kind of... uh underlying white supremacy in the institutions, which would include things like the Southern Baptist Convention, which if we're honest, if if you're listening and you know Southern Baptist history, you know that the Southern Baptist Convention originally started uh, over a debate between Baptists of whether or not slaveholders could uh, be missionaries. And the Southern Baptist Convention was in favor of that and essentially endorsed, uh, kind of passively endorsed slavery by allowing slaveholders to do that. And that is part of our history. And, of course, we have repented of that as a denomination. And I would say the wide, wide majority of Southern Baptists today would not affirm those kind of things at all or any form of racism. Um, but, you know, we would we would be uh, remiss to not point out that that was a part of our history as a denomination. So uh, intersectionality emerges from this because intersectionality is this idea that basically... Um, every single person on earth is oppressed or victimized in some way, but some people are oppressed more than others. And the way that we d- can determine that is essentially through layers of, of intersection between the different um, minority groups or uh, circumstances that they may find themselves in. So for instance,
0: so, but now white heterosexual males would be at the top. I mean, we would, we're
2: the
1: least
0: we oppressed, would, this, right? We're the yes. least
2: oppressed in that system. We are because the, the majority. Yeah. I'd because say. we're the majority um, and not a minority. and and because we essentially, in that view, uh, white males would hold the power structures.. Right. Um, I was reading uh, somebody actually, one of the critical race theorists actually said that whiteness was essentially a property. that if you owned whiteness, that essentially gave you more collateral in society, that you had the ability to do more, earn more, uh, change more, uh, own more. Uh, than somebody who didn't possess whiteness. And so it was almost that the color of your skin was essentially um, kind of like a a privilege card. That's where we get kind of the idea of white privilege from, is that you're able to do things that other people aren't able to do because you're the least oppressed. And so then what they do is they essentially systematize this by creating layers of oppression of, okay, if you are a skin color other than white, you are more oppressed than a white person by these systems in society, according to critical race theory. If you are, uh, you know, uh, you have some kind of disability, you're more oppressed. Than, everyone is more oppressed than a white person, but some people, even within minority groups and others, are more oppressed than others. So, for yeah. instance... Um, Women would be oppressed. Right, yeah. So, 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 so if you are a... LBGT, yeah, if you oppressed. are like a transgender, yeah. lesbian, black woman in a wheelchair... Who is a, who is a Muslim. Right. You're 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 like disability or you're you're like a uh, like eight levels into oppression or whatever. And so the idea is, is that once you have that system, then the state you give the authority of the state to essentially level the playing field. So for that person, OK, they're going to need a whole lot more privilege in order to bring them out of that oppression and equalize them, get equality of outcome. And so then what that means is, is, you know, OK, uh. For instance, let's say the political system when it comes to voting, you know, one way that you could say that is, is, okay if you have three levels of intersectionality, then your vote actually counts as one point five votes where the white person's vote only counts as one. And if you're a woman, you get an extra point five. And if you're a minority, you get an extra point five. And if you're and they basically use this to create this system where the state kind of tries to level everything out. Well, in the in the
0: way, I mean, that's that's a theoretical thing at, at this point. But the way it's really working out is, and we've seen this, like in the college applications to try to get into certain programs and so forth, or job applications where you maybe are in line for a promotion, then then they actually weigh those things and consider uh,
2: those, uh, and it's happening all the time. Right. So this resolution, which was passed, essentially says that critical race theory and intersectionality are analytical tools that we can use as Southern Baptists in our churches, in our denomination, and that even though they come from a worldview that's actually fundamentally opposed to God and Christianity and the Bible, that e- the, the resolution states that Scripture is, is the ultimate authority, but at the same time it says that we can use these tools. So what, what do you guys think? Is it, a good, is it a good thing to use these tools? Are they dangerous? What are your thoughts about it? Well,
1: it's funny four or five white guys sitting around the table
2: talking about it. Um, Right. We don't really, we're not even allowed to have an opinion. So if you're listening, you
0: can just go ahead and turn it off at this point. We're irrelevant.
1: But but in all honesty, I think that's a danger that we can fall into because what you were talking about, the sociological study, pretty much all that you stated outside of the government working is generally true. Is it not? How so? In the sense as a white male right i am and from a societal standpoint i am i don't deal with the racism stuff as much as a black male. that is true that is that is societally true
2: so you so you would say that in society and in these institutions there is institutionalized racism that I, it's actually built into that into society i think so
0: so if you were in somalia today You would.
2: uh, Well, I'm saying in our in
1: our in our culture in America, I I think it is true, and I think that's. I'm going to separate the two here in a second. But what I'm saying is, is to, to for us to automatically as white guys sit back and say there's not racism or this oppression or that I understand what it's like to be these other people. It's just false. We don't know.
2: But I would say there's a difference between racism and institutional racism. So, for instance, instance in the Southern Baptist Convention, I don't really know in any of our governing documents or anything like that that there is inherent racism built into the functioning of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, are there churches and pastors who are racist and and discriminate against people? Yes, that Mm -hmm. is true, and it's unacceptable. One of the things the Southern Baptist Convention did this year is— propose a constitution change which would allow us to kick those churches out that are doing that which i think is a good thing to do Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between an individual or even a small group of people being racist versus an institution being racist like some people would say that like the federal prison system is inherently racist and oppressive to minorities
1: well i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it's quote unquote racist i'm just saying from a when you look at the statistics who are who are the majority in prisons That's something you can't avoid right something you can't avoid just and a example, lot of that
0: has to do with lawyers I mean the in the court system and knowing how to work money, it how much money you have power, of course sure
1: and there is a certain there's definitely a race element to all that I believe and so that's what I'm saying I think it's a I think it's dangerous and I've done it myself I think it's dangerous to discount certain things as they are. Just because, and I don't agree with all this totally. So don't, you know, I'm not throwing- So you would have voted
0: for the resolution, it sounds to me like.
1: I don't think it's needed. That's personally my my take on it. I don't think it's needed because I don't think there's a, I just don't think it's needed. All I'm saying is, is we can't sit back and say, well, you know, black people are more oppressed than white people. How can we as white guys sit back and say, well, I know exactly how black people feel because we don't know. And I know there's a danger to that, but we have no clue because I've talked to some black people that strong Christian and they talk about the racism that they face. And I know it's not something that they just make up because of white guys. We somehow I know and, and I've done it. Well, they're just making up. They're just playing the race card every chance they get. No, they, they face true racism. And, well, that's and I think
2: there's a balance there, though, because being, and I agree with because that. Uh, I, I'm the same way. You know, I have I have friends uh, that are black, and they've shared their experiences with me of things that they have to deal with growing up that I never had to deal with. Right. But at the same time, I don't know that all of that is systemic in the sense of some of that depends on okay, well, what part of the country did you grow up in, and what was the demographics of your city? But I think it like. is systemic. You know, my my cousin that that grew up near the middle of the state, the ethnic diversity there is way higher than where I grew up. You know, Haywood County, where I pastor at, is 98.5% white. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like if you've got two or three people out of 100 that are a minority, you're doing really good as far as ethnic diversity goes. Well, the people in Haywood County, their experience is going to be very different. Like, Like, I would imagine that a person of color in Haywood County growing up probably... Uh, felt a significant higher amount of oppression than they would have in a city where maybe it was only 60% white or something like that, just because they're not, they're not going to feel as out of place culturally and, and that kind of thing. Now for me, I feel a little bit the other way when I go into some environments, if I go down to uh, the mall in Charlotte, there, there are some places that I go to where I feel like a minority and I feel uncomfortable. Now there's nothing wrong with the people there that I should feel uncomfortable, but I just do because I feel out of place. Now That's the way that my black friends basically feel all the time. And I do think that that's real, but how much of that is, is an intentional system of oppression of there's somebody behind the government and the society and everything that's pushing a button saying, you know, these people, yeah, Yeah. almost like a conspiracy Derek, You weigh in on this. You hadn't said anything. What you got?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm with you, uh, Adam. Uh, I truly think that um, there is obviously racism in our culture and, um in in society now there's a balance that has to be struck between that between um what you are talking about the institutionalized versus um oppression or or uh, any kind of racism that somebody may feel in, in general and so uh, i think that um i don't know how it was presented in the southern baptist convention but um i wasn't there you're the only one that was but um i'm not i'm not, i'm kind of with adam on that i'm not really sure how that is necessary or how we would even use the tools i'm i'm thinking just as far as being aware of it of course but beyond that i mean um i think in our churches if you just focus on the gospel uh that's going to take care of a lot of the the issues there uh, would, uh, in terms of culture and racism because of the gospel is suited. It was born in, preached in. Uh, they talk about an oppressive environment uh, in the Roman Empire uh, 2,000 years ago, 60 million slaves. Um, so I think if you focus on the basic Basics of the gospel; um, it's going to answer a lot of those questions.
2: And I think that that people have that ties in with something Adam said before we started recording, which was, you know, like why, you know, what what's the purpose behind this? Because if you read the original amendment, it seemed, or the original resolution, the original resolutions language seems to indicate that the purpose of bringing out this topic of critical race theory and intersectionality was to Mm -hmm. essentially warn Southern Baptists of don't use these tools because these tools are used to try to create equality of outcome for people. But the fact is, the Bible doesn't teach equality of outcome. That That's just not, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He, he was not trying to cause a social revolution on the earth. That was not his goal. And so to try to use these tools that arise from a Marxist worldview to try to fix something in the church is dangerous, and it seems like that's the language that the resolution was originally using. The problem is is the change seems to indicate where the committee essentially is responding by saying there's nothing necessarily wrong with the tools as long as you use them with tools. Like, we don't want you to be a Marxist, but if you use Marxist tools to evaluate the church, then that's okay because they're just tools. But the problem is, as Moeller and others have weighed in, is that ideas have consequences, and and the question is what you guys are saying here, which I think is is the most seems like the most obvious question. Why? Like what is critical race theory and intersectionality going to do for the church that the scripture will not do for the church? How is it going to level that out?
1: Well, and it, it kind of what you were just talking about, like I'm, I'm the practical guy, right? So I'm thinking in my mind, <clears throat> when are these tools being used? You know what I'm saying? Like if we're saying some churches are used, what are they using them for? And, I, and I'm assuming it's it's tied into the social justice stuff.
0: Yes, and that gets into a political movement, which many times very conservative uh, Christians are condemned for in the promoting of uh, pro life positions and anti uh, homosexual marriage and all those kind of things. Um, we find ourselves being castigated for you know that involvement, like we're Republican shields, you know. But on the other hand, here's a group of folks, and and if you're going to bring change to those institutions, how are you going to do that except for political involvement? And who then are you going to support? You're going to be progressive. You're going to be Democrat. You're going to buy into the whole socialist movement. And so, you know, it's it's kind of a, a mirror image or the pot calling the kettle black. I can use that uh, terminology uh, in this discussion. You just microaggressed. Uh, I, me. I, I know I did, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say anything about short people. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's a little intersection <laughs> out before you right there. That's right. But I have more of a say than any other. But, but really,
0: here, the, the way the way I see it, here, here's the fundamental thing. that Sure, there's racism, and it needs to be spoken against. But it's a sin issue that that we can mm-hmm. realize and sin of course permeates all of society and we need to speak out against that. We need to be involved with that. But but the core is the only thing that changes that is the heart. You know, we, we've got to bring about gospel change like like Derek is saying, that which converts the heart. And and otherwise what you've got is utopianism. Mm-hmm. We're going to build the kingdom of God on earth ourselves with our own hands and through legislation through uh you know the institutions of society and turning all those over and that's exactly what Marx and Lenin and all the rest of those proposed and it's just going down that same uh rabbit
2: hole yeah and and I think that's a that's a good question too is like what like you were saying Adam what are the churches even wanting to do with this how is this going to help them now I think it can be helpful like I could see intersectionality being helpful in the sense of trying to understand challenges that people have that maybe we're not familiar with. Cause that is true. I mean, the fact is there are people that deal with things that I just don't deal with. And so I may not be able to understand them, but does that mean that they need a different gospel? Does it mean right. that, that they need a different church? Does it mean that, you know, in my mind, one of the, one of the whole purposes of the church is that, you know, I, I I've told our church this before, when I stand in the pulpit on Sunday morning and look out, I want to see a group of people that have nothing in common except Jesus. And so it doesn't matter what, what color they are, what their socioeconomic status is, what their level of education is, if they have disabilities, um, you know, uh, what uh, their sexual situation is. like that stuff really doesn't even matter. What matters is, is are all of these people gathered here because, uh, they are trusting in Jesus alone for their salvation and they're here to worship him. And that's really the testimony to the world. The, the, the testimony to the world of the gospel isn't, well, everybody in the church is equal. The testimony in the world is, is, is that, wow, what, what is it that brings these people together? There's no reason why they should be together. Um, they should be completely different. And so um, the scripture I think really challenges that intersectionality, not in the sense of saying that there's not people that don't deal with more things than others, but, in the sense of saying uh there uh, the Jesus' death on the cross uh is for all types of people, and right. so that it, and so there's it's not because I'm white doesn't mean God loves me more or Jesus died for more white people than he did for somebody else right you know, and so uh to try to use that to say, well, in the church, we need to do ministry different or we need to preach different or we need to do these kind of things." is basically letting society and a godless worldview essentially tell us what to do with the word of God as if it is not sufficient. So the resolution may say that it's sufficient, but the question is if it is sufficient, why do we need the world system to tell us what we should be doing?
0: Well, and and I hate to judge people's motives because that's the most difficult thing to do, but I have to wonder if it's not primarily about virtue signaling. It, it, It is a, PR thing that the Southern Baptist Convention and its leadership wants to say you know the bad people that we were and how racist we were and how sexist we have been and how abused and oppressed women have been and, and, and on and on that we're not that way anymore and we're we're going to speak out and we're woke and so they're just by using those expressions that virtue signaling may not have changed anything really deep inside of the way they feel, what they're going to do. But just by saying it, it makes them feel good. Right. But I do think, I will say this. I do think there is an
1: importance in acknowledging it. Sure. Right. Because I think, I think one of the problems is, is that we don't acknowledge it as again, as white guys, we, we don't, and, and I know this in my own, my own life and I've examined my own life. We, we, we have to acknowledge those things. We have to acknowledge the racism and all those things and, and, in the SBC and we have to acknowledge those things as opposed to, you know, we're, we're getting upset with people trying to erase history and tear down monuments and things, like but we're doing it by avoiding it, right? We're not addressing the issue. And I think that we have to, now I will say that again, the motive, the motive issue of, look at me i'm this social justice warrior without really making any form of impact yeah. i think that is a problem but when you were talking about um you know the intersectionality the thing that i the thing i was thinking about is you know some of my liberal friends and even liberal christian friends you know that's the reason why they they fought so hard for the lgbt because of the inter- they they're at the bottom they're the yeah. they're the quote unquote least of these Right? right, and so that's why they're supporting you know they're not necessarily supporting oppression, they're supporting the lifestyle because they feel like their lifestyle' well, is it's, being it's the world view
2: right so it's like they may not necessarily care about the gay person, but they do care about the fact that that person should have e- equality of outcome the same as everyone else right and so um which is which is weird, and I just wrote that down because what's odd is in these situations
1: because I remember a sign in South Carolina one time it says um." He he is a good black man, and the sign said that was the quote. He is a good black man, or something like that. Or he is an educated black man, and then this, the 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 line below it said the right sentence should be he's an educated man. So if if the idea is we don't want to see race, we can't then create equality of outcomes based on race or sex. It's like cutting a limb off of you know. We believe black people should get paid more money. Well, you're you're basing that on race right. well it's it,
2: so for instance affirmative action in college right right so um my wife went uh, to college with somebody and that person got a free ride scholarship because they needed to have a certain they were required to have a certain percentage of minorities in the college and so this person <laughs> did not do well in high school and they basically said we we need basically they said we need more black people in our school so you come and we'll give you a free ride and so this person came and like Never showed up in class, never did anything. Now, does that have anything to do with their skin color? No. You know, the, the fact is, is uh, there's plenty of white people that do the exact same thing. Right. But the difference is, is what is that message communicating? What that's communicating is, is uh, we, we need to help you because you're black, you know? And that, you know, you're probably just not going to be able to make it on your own. And so we're just going to give you a leg up. The reality is that's just as racist as anything else to imply that because you're you're a black student that somehow you can't 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 perform the way that a white student would. Now, that's not to say that there couldn't be challenges, for instance, like economically. You know, maybe if you grew up in an area that didn't have good public education and you struggled, you know, obviously, yeah, that's going to be uh, you're going to have to work harder. But. I mean, look at how many uh black people there are in American history that have just, I mean, s- been wildly successful and really have overcome w- extremely difficult challenges. Barack you know. Obama. Well, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, regardless of what you think about the man's politics, the fact is, is he had to work his tail off to get to where he was. You know, he, nobody gave him a free He's ride. He's a Manchurian candidate, by the way. You though. know, well, but... <laughs> But no kidding, uh, kidding. but you know so so the idea I, I think kind of the theme that we're coming to is is like you know is racism and oppression in the world real? Absolutely, it is. Should real. we fight it? Absolutely. But, yeah, should we th- speak against it? you have to yeah, do it in the context
3: of the gospel? Yes. Right. And you have to. And, and the reality is
2: is is we should disagree with it in our churches and our denomination and our society because the Bible disagrees with it, not because uh, some philosopher or political scientist tells us that we should disagree with it. The fact is is all of these people are created in the image of God and they have inherent dignity and worth. And that's part of what our country was built on. Even though we didn't practice that in the beginning of our country, that is part of the principle that it was built on. And so um, we should uphold that uh, theologically and politically and socially, but there's a difference between saying I'm going to use the government to fix this. The problem is, is, uh the reason why racism exists is because people hate other people made in the image of God and the reason why they have that hatred in their heart is because they're depraved and the solution for that as Dennis was saying is not a political system or education right. as the humanist worldview would say you know people are racist because they're dumb right. that's what it that's basically what a humanist would say no people are racist because they're evil because their hearts are evil and if any of us have uh feelings of prejudice or things in our heart those are things that God needs to deal with our hearts about right um, and that doesn't mean that we can't do things practically to help people, but our our hope for an America where people are treated equally, our hope is not in the government or in social programs or in politicians. Our hope is in the gospel. Right.
0: Because if you do that, Ben, then that becomes our God and our religion, you know, that which we depend on. And, and we've moved from theology to sociology mm-hmm. and trying to, to fix these things we've moved from regeneration to uh, bureaucracy uh, and and so forth but but let me say this and this is my last word on the su- on the subject y'all can talk as long as you want to but we've kind of moved away from our original discussion about uh critical race theory and intersectionality to a very legitimate concern of racism because those other things, although there's certainly elements of that, uh, to me, it's like a, a broken clock is right twice a day. And so certainly there are elements within those ideas that, that have truth. But the whole basis of it, I think the foundation of it is a, is a foundation built on sand. And if we buy into that, we're going we're gonna to go somewhere we don't need to go. And uh, and so that's my big concern about it. it. Just really moves us away from sound theology and from the from the gospel, uh, and and yet it seems so well intended. How can you? I mean, are we against racism? Yeah. So I'm I'm going to vote for resolution number nine, but I think it takes us somewhere we don't want to go. I agree.
2: All right, Chris, what you got?
4: <laughs> so, so I agree with you. I think one You are of, correct, my brother. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the ultimate problems you have to ask is, is, like, at what point do we say that something is so tarnished by its origin that we shouldn't use it? You know, it's like, so you look at the background of where this all came from and you say, okay, well, we realize that and we think that's really bad, but we're still going to use it because we, we think it's convenient for the time. So I was just looking here at the at comparison that the original resolution has submitted compared to what came out. And the original resolution says, Whereas critical race theory and intersectionality are founded upon unbiblical presuppositions descended from Marxist theories and categories and therefore are inherently opposed to the scripture as the true center of Christian union. And it goes on. Now in the the one that was voted on and passed, it says Whereas critical race theory and intersectionality alone are insufficient to diagnose and redress the root causes of these social ills that they identify which result from sin, yet these analytical tools can aid in evaluating a variety of human experiences. So they go on to acknowledge the background of it that it's bad, but it said, well, we still want to be able to try to use it's it. It's not that bad. Yeah, and, and I think that's the ultimate danger. Is like, okay, well, if you say that it's okay here, then at what point do you draw the line? Because if you start erasing that line, then ultimately you're going to say, oh, okay, well, we realize mm. that this is really bad too, but we're still going to use it because it's 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 convenient for the time in which, pragmatism. and pragmatism. Yeah. Yes, that was
0: exactly mm-hmm. as pragmatism. Yeah.
3: Terry Hollifield would be proud that I used that word. <laughs>
2: mm. <laughs> Adam's just glad somebody agrees with him.
0: In <laughs> <laughs> all God's people's head? Yeah, man. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four Horseman. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review.
3: They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech all impediment. Day. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, Every I'm a resident. Day. Like a conscious rapper but do more than master president. Day. I see brothers coughing so I hit them with the medicine on the other side they say their grass is greener seen the forecast man they're calling for katrina